Welcome to episode 55 of the Atalan Rising podcast, where we're your hosts, Doc, Lynn and Adam. In today's episode, we discuss Fantastic Four issues 1 to 5 and the first annual. This covers the entire first arc of the newest volume by Dan Slott and co. First of all, welcome back, Doc. It's really nice to have you. Oh, thank um, you. We, we've, uh, we've missed you quite a lot. <laughs> I've missed doing it and uh, appreciate you're having me back. Definitely. So we we brought you back for this um, kind of big mass review of the Fantastic Four issues. Have you uh, have you enjoyed it? Has it been been a good story so far? Oh well, the uh, the first arc I've enjoyed uh, quite a bit. You know, I it's gone from uh, from famine to feast because uh, you know the Fantastic Four has been one of my favorite franchises out there, and to have them absent for so long due to circumstances, um, was rough, and so I really enjoyed having them back. Sort of like a family reunion. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what about you, Lynn? Have you, have you enjoyed uh, enjoyed it as well? I have enjoyed it tremendously. Uh, that's really good. All three of us are of, uh, of, of one mind. Because, uh, I mean, I've really enjoyed it as well. It's been really good to see the whole family back, and I think um, we did review issue one way back when but i think we can include that in this one now just to just kind of keep it as a a big kind of review should we should we dive straight in guys i'll see why not all right so do you want to take the mic lynn okay fantastic four number one there are three different stories in this issue the main one being signal in the sky by writer Dan Slott, artist Sara Pichelli, inkers Sara Pichelli with Elisabetta D'Amico, colorist Marte Garcia. Then we have backup story number one, Our Day of Doom and Victory, writer Dan Slott, artist Simone Bianchi, and colorist Simone Bianchi and Marco Russo. And we have a one-page backup story, finishing it off, What the Pop, writer Dan Slott, artist Scotty Young, colorist Jeremy Treese. All lettering was done by Joe Caramagna, and covers by Esad Rubich. You are really good at pronouncing names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Much better than what we are. I, I, I did a lot of research. So I, I just I um, just uh, just a quick one to point out. It's really it's always really nice to see Scotty Young getting some actual like internal work. Just as a side comment. Okay, he's more known for alternate covers and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, what's his? Uh, I hate Fairyland. That's nice. his kind of. That's yeah. his his book, isn't it? Which is which is a great read. But sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On with the review. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Previously in Fantastic Four, in the aftermath of Secret Wars, Reed, Sue, the kids, the Future Foundation, and Molecule Man head out to recreate the multiverse, leaving Ben and Johnny behind, and for three years, they've been completely absent from Marvel Comics. Fantastic Four number one opens with Ben and his girlfriend Alicia having a cute day out at the farmer's market, while Johnny and Rumi Wyatt attend a ball game. Their activities are interrupted when a classic Fantastic Four signal appears in the sky. Johnny gets his hopes up that the family has returned, but it just depresses Ben because it knows he knows it can't be them. As it turns out, the flare is just the handiwork of some rotten Yancey Street kids. The signal naturally makes the news, and we get cameos from former Fantastic Four members Medusa, Crystal, Luke Cage, and She-Hulk, who are approached for commentary. As Ben suspected, the signal flare was stolen from his brownstone. We're then treated to a Fantastic Four lost tale, where an alien named Astronomica helps a lost Fantastic Four find their way home using a Stellaric Stone that acts as a homing device. Before she returned home, Astronomica left Ben as a fragment of the Stellarex, and it's with that stone that Ben proposes to Alicia. It's about damn time. Ben asks Johnny to be his best man, and Johnny refuses. Only Reed Richards should be Ben Grimm's best man. 
Just as Johnny finally gives up hope of seeing the rest of the family ever again, the scene cuts to a brief glimpse of Reed and Sue working on a device somewhere out in space, and a force signal appears in Earth's atmosphere. In the first backup story, we discover Latveria has suffered in Doom's absence. As some unnamed strongman enforces a curfew on the citizens, a young resistance leader named Zoraz Vukovic sneaks into Castle Von Doom to beseech a newly returned Doom to liberate his people. Which, of course, he does, single-handedly. The issue wraps up with a one-page short where the impossible man voices his extreme irritation over the team not being back together by the end of issue one. <laughs> yeah, which I think is probably echoed by absolutely everybody in the yeah, in the world. <laughs> it, it was a nice touch. It kind of took the edge off of it, knowing that impossible man was, was mad about it, too. <laughs> So, so what would you rate it then? I gave this one a four out of five Herbies. So, are we using are we using the Herbie scale and not the uh, the Lockjaw scale? I'm afraid, Doc. Sorry. So- ah, <laughs> uh, well, let the past die. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we'll return to we'll return to Lockjaws when it's actually an inhuman title. But you know, <laughs> we we figured Herbies would be a really nice kind of uh, a nice rating. Uh, so, four out of five is a good rating. I think I'd give it the exact same. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had my qual- uh, like the Impossible Man. I I had been hoping to see the whole team together. Although I think it makes sense for there to be a bit of a build up to get there. Um, as much as I just love the the um, the art in the Doc Doom side story, I was a little disappointed that the narrative decided to kind of eighty six everything that had happened in yep. in. In, in infamous Iron Man because I thought that um, it was quite an interesting comic and it was kind of like uh, pressing the reset on Doom. Yeah. yeah, he's had such great character development recently and the second Reed is back in town, it's right back to square one. Yeah, I mean, for, for me personally, infamous, infamous Iron Man was probably one of my you know absolute favorite books of whichever year it came out. It was like 2016 it came out, I think, or 2017 because it was after Civil War. Uh, yeah, I... It, it kind of sucks that they are obviously doing that kind of factory reset on him. Um, but I think you've said it many times before, Doc, that it's kind of, it, you've got to put the toys back on the shelf as you found them. But it does feel a bit kind of difficult because he did turn out to be quite a nice hero. Well, uh, not to correct you, but um, I said that writers tend to put the toys back on the shelf. Not that I like that they do that. I, I actually yeah. would prefer would, you know, continue on and not not return to the status quo because it feels so redundant. Yeah, and there's certain things you do want to kind of see, you know, you see kept in, in, you know, comic book history almost. This one being one of them for me that actually I really want to see kept. But in terms of the main story, I, I, I thought that the, the little sort of lost tale of the Fantastic Four where they were off in the multiverse and needed, and, uh, it required uh, Johnny singing to get them home and what. <laughs> yeah, it, it very much felt like a, a classic FF story. Like it could have been ripped out of uh, John Byrne's run or, or Chris Claremont's run. It, it, it had all those elements to it, with uh, little Franklin, you know, being his old self and. And uh, the whole family kind of uh, friend, you know, nicely snickering at each other and whatnot. And uh, it, it kind of reminded you of uh, what was what we had been missing. Yeah, I think one of the things I, I you know, wanted to touch on and is uh, is how the the Marvel two and one 
kind of tied into it almost because it shows Johnny kind of at his worst. Um, at least the first, the first sort of five issues did. And I thought that was a really nice tie in because it, they kind of kept that aspect of you know, him. Yeah. He and, he and Ben were at different stages of, uh, of grief. Yeah. Over the, the parent loss of, of their family. And I think, you know, Ben had really kind of come to terms with it and was ready to, uh, start the next chapter of his life, which he, he did by finally proposing to Alicia, who is got to have the patience of a saint. No, no sliding timeline yeah. can, uh, can fix that. <laughs> Whereas, uh, you know, Donnie was still struggling with denial and, and, and refusing to accept that it really was over. And it turned out that he was right. <laughs> they were still out there. Yeah, 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 uh, and yeah. I, I, I don't think there's any more I can say on Marvel Two One because that is such a good, good series by um, Chip Zdarsky. Um, makes you feel things, and that's always a sign of a good comic book. Uh, no, no slight to uh, Dan Slott, but you know I've been following the current run of Invaders, and looking at that in conjunction with Marvel Two and One, you know I think Zdarsky would have been. A great choice to helm Fantastic Four if Dan Slott wasn't available to do it. Um, I, I he seems I to agree. Know. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I think I think because I mean, I've met Dan Slott and he's he's an absolutely wonderful dude, <laughs> and he does write me really well. He, he he's done the Silver Surfer run that kind of got what was it Hugo and Eisner, whichever one. Eisner, I believe. Yeah, you know that he can write sci-fi really well. I mean, hell, he's a he's a huge sci-fi fan himself. So, but yeah, Chip Zdarsky just has that way of just putting that emotion on the page and right. um and you kind of you kind of need that in a family i think sometimes but no dan dan slot has done done really well should we move on to well, issue two where the where we get to see what the rest of the family has been up to yep okay fantastic four number two where we make our stand writer dan slot artist sarah pakeli inker sarah pakeli with elizabeth adamico Colorist Marte Garcia, with lettering by Joe Caramagna, and cover by Esad Ribich. In issue number two, we finally catch up with our missing Fantastic Four members. We join them as they're helping a very Navi-looking Prince Arboro install a Termitroid repeller to protect his people's forest. Prince Arboro and his people are residents of one of the many new universes created by Franklin and Molecule Man. The budding romance between Valeria and Orboro, which Reed does not approve of, <laughs> gets cut short as the team leaves to continue rebuilding the multiverse. Cue the new universe creation montage. But then something happens. Franklin is suddenly unable to anchor a new universe to reality. It turns out that Franklin has a finite amount of cosmic power, and every time he uses it, his reserves are depleted. This revelation is just the opening that the Griever at the end of all things was waiting for. Griever is a new cosmic entity who is the embodiment of entropy, and she's none too pleased with what the Fantastic Four have been up to. What they've been doing is outside the natural order, and she's not having it. She arrives on the scene with her minions and immediately murders Molecule Man. Finding themselves outmatched, the Fantastic Four make a run for it, as she starts systematically tearing apart every universe they've created. Reed selects a universe to make their stand and save as many universes as possible, but he's thwarted by Valeria, who lands them early in Arboro's universe. Reaver catches up with them and is confronted by Franklin, who's easily knocked out. When he comes to, the entire team has been defeated. As Griever gloats, Reed informs her that all she managed to do was defeat a bunch of kids. And the real Fantastic Four would have been able to defeat her. In a typical villain move, Griever calls his bluff and allows him to use her transmaterializer to summon this Fantastic Four. And with that, 
The force signal appears in the skies of Earth, and Reed materializes not just Ben and Johnny, but every former Fantastic Four member, plus Iceman. <laughs> plus Iceman. So- <laughs> oh, yeah, that was really good. And and what's the rating on that one? So I give this one a uh, four out of five Herbies. Yeah, I, th- I think that's about right. Do you agree, Doc? Um, yes, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, 3.5 out of 5. Okay. Okay. So if I go 4.5, uh, we average out at 4 out of 5, so we can we can do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I I only I only uh I, I subtract one half of Herbie because I felt as though uh Bentley 23 didn't get enough dialogue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that that is true. <laughs> My favorite member of the Future Foundation. Well, actually, my my sec, my co-favorite member of the Future Foundation, alongside Tom. I have to admit, I don't know enough about the Future Foundation. That is, that is one of my my cardinal sins, if you, if you want to put it that way. That I just haven't read enough Future Foundation. I mean, this is my first Fantastic Four book, guys. So, well, <laughs> so your references are kind of going that, over my head now. Oh, you you need to read like, Future Foundation. Oh my gosh. Yes, I do. Yeah. I think there was about 11 issues of it. Yeah. Okay, so it's not, not By, too much uh, then. Matt Fraction and I think every member of the Allred family. Um, yeah. <laughs> along with uh, Joe Quijones. Um, and it is just an amazing series. Yeah. Um, uh, it's everything I like about comics is embodied in that book. Um, and the Inhumans feature yeah. prominently throughout. I will. I will definitely go and pick that one up. Well, the future. The future foundation started off as this sort of like special school program for gifted youngsters that Reed Richard created, where he amassed all of the wild geniuses of the of the Marvel universe to uh, guide them. I, I think it's interesting. One child genius though is notably off- missing because she was rejected. He had. He had. No- yes. Right. <laughs> He, he didn't make the cut for some reason, I yeah. think. Uh, we'll get to the bottom of that eventually, hopefully. Um, but it started off in uh, Jonathan Hickman's run on Fantastic Four and then continued on as its own book when uh, Fraction took over. But it includes a, oh, just a wonderful cast of characters. A little girl from Wakanda to a couple of super intelligent Moloids, the child clone of the wizard. I think the Impossible Man's kid was a member for a while. <laughs> His name was Adolf of all things. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, anyway, uh, they're going to they're gonna get a book in the future. Yes, yeah. I was just about to say because it's funny we we brought them up because they do have a a book coming out with uh, and Power Pack are going to feature quite heavily as well, aren't they? Yeah, I forget who's writing it. I know that Will Robinson is doing the art. It's, uh, was it Mark, Mark Way? Oh, no, that's Invisible Woman's, uh, series. Because Invisible mm-hmm. Woman's getting a series as well, which is great. Especially uh, since she hasn't had much to do in the series. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that one, that one's written by Mark Way. I don't know who's writing the, um, the Future Foundation one. Um, but that, uh, in this comic, that last page is worth the, uh, price of mission alone, where all of the, uh, Past and and present and former, uh, uh, well, I guess future members of the Fantastic Four show up at once. Um, yeah. Wow. What a great splash page. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I I absolutely loved it. I think I, I kind of wish they do more like that because it's it's just it's it's like 
the comic book version, in my opinion, of, you know, recently anyway, it's the comic book ver- version of that end sequence in Endgame. But it, I mean, that's, that's the way I kind of, cause I reread it, obviously, for this episode. And I was kind of like, oh, actually, that's, it's, it's a really nice feeling. It's that kind of feeling of, oh, everything's going to go well now. You know, and at the time, it was a, a bit of a coup because Wolverine hadn't yet, you know, officially returned. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and the Hulk was, hadn't yet been revealed as been resurrected. And so they kind of had to do a little, uh, sort of shucking around to, uh, to include them. And, um, it was a nice, it was, I'm, I'm glad they did because it would have been uh, a real waste if they left those two out. Yeah, I, I think the um, the the other big thing is the fact that the, the the kids have been able to to actually grow up. They've grown up in a way that doesn't age the rest of the Marvel universe. They kind of aged out of you know, out of sight, really. Yeah, which yeah, well, uh, five years yes. passed for them. So Franklin, who's been around for sixty years, <laughs> um, <laughs> now, he's about eighteen now, sixteen, somewhere like that. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. Valeria would be what thirteen? Yeah, that's, that's about right. Yeah, and, and they have code names. Yes, power, and brain truster, right? Is that it? Uh, brainstorm and powerhouse? Yeah. Well, brainstorm, powerhouse. I found that one. In. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a bit What's too he? on the nose, right? Yeah. He was Psy Lord in a uh, Fantastic Force, which is forgettable comic book, but that was a better name. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, have you guys got any more any any comments on that one? Any anything you particularly wanna pick out? I liked the um just the uh the bit of the what did you call him? A, a Navu looking character? Uh a, a Navi, like Na- from uh like red versions of the Avatar aliens. Well I liked how he was almost uh <laughs> submariner in in his <laughs> And his parent and uh, Reed's protectiveness towards his daughter was just uh, amplified. Said, no, 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 I don't know why, but I don't like him. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, that 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 made me laugh that bit. Um, there's there's a quick one that I think we um that we should mention is the fact that Gre- Griever is apparently the embodiment of entropy, but I'm pretty sure there's already an entropy. <laughs> There, there is, but you know, comics, I guess. Yeah, because en- entropy was like a one of like the cosmic entities, wasn't he? Yeah, <clears throat> I, I read Infinity Gauntlet quite recently. Um, you know, to get you know to get up to, up to scratch with Infinity War coming out a year ago, um, and uh, yeah, you have like um, entropy, uh, infinity, eternity. Is it eternity? Infinity? I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah those are both. Okay, that's that's good. Um, and like Kronos, and then Chaos, and Order, and all that kind of stuff. So that was well, kind of that's kind of weird. I mean, if if Secret Wars is to be looked at as as the sort of new beginning, uh, it could be that with the creation of the new multiverse, uh, there are now new versions of these sort of personifications of cosmic forces yeah um, so yeah the grief just the new entropy that's a good point yeah i hadn't thought about it like that that's a but then then again you know the whole the whole new universe stuff is just weird because <laughs> you've got stuff like the ultimate universe has come back but hang on a minute didn't that 
get destroyed, but did not. Yeah, and now that the the Fantastic Four is back, that's all coming kind of coming back because like when the all new all new all different started, everybody's kind of agreed they weren't going to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Even if they remembered it, they're like, you know, it just it, it it's different now. I think I think the weird thing is just the fact that you know they've gone around making all these different universes, but there are people in the six one six that remember the time before Secret Wars, and it's kind of like, how does that work now? Comics. It seemed like before Bendis left, he was trying to build up to something, but he's not here anymore. Yeah, which is which is a right royal shame. But uh... well, actually, um, uh, I've been catching up on what you've been doing over at Wonder Comics with uh, Young Justice and Naomi, and those are really good books. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt. I mean, I mean, Bendis when he. I'm gonna, I could try and say this without having like a um, like a backhanded compliment. He's a, he's a really good writer when when he has the time to do it and he's not being forced by the editorial. I think that's the best way to put it. So I mean, because you know, and I think both both Bendis and Dan Slott share it. Like when when they're on, they're dynamite. Yeah, but sometimes break out. Yeah, I mean, look at for for Bendis in particular. Civil Wars a really good, or Civil War Two rather, is a really good example of that because he had a really good start, really good end, kind of a slow middle. But I think that's more right. editorial than it would be him. Let's let's move on to the next issue of Fantastic Four because it's great. The big down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fantastic Four number three, Family Reunion. Writer Dan Slott. Artist Sarah Pichelli and Nico Leon. Colorist Marte Garcia. Lettering by Joe Caramagna. And cover by Esad Rebich. Now it's time for the big fight between Griever and some very surprised to be their Fantastic Four members. Reed realizes he's met Griever in some capacity before. There's a flashback to Reed during Hickman's Solve Everything storyline. With Griever whispering in his ear, you lose. As he's locked away in his lab, trying to solve everything. Reed realizes that if the Griever felt the need to intervene, that meant he was close to a solution. This revelation gives him enough hope to come up with a plan to defeat her. And the plan? Destroy the teleportation device. Nobody's really keen on this, but they trust Reed enough to go along with it. The kids and their uncles are reunited just in time for the epic battle to begin. Despite her awesome powers, the Griever is having a bit of trouble destroying these puny humans. Fighting such little things is outside her area of expertise. After a failed pep talk by Spider-Man, Ben and Franklin take on Griever together, leaving her minions to the rest of the extended Fantastic Four. With some help from the Hulk, Griever's ship is destroyed, and she's left with one functioning teleporter. Reed has realized that the Griever can only destroy, not create. If she ever wants to go home, she needs to use that one teleporter and leave now. The battle is called off, and Griever retreats. As Valeria and the rest of the geniuses set to work fixing one of the broken teleporters, Ben tells everyone about his engagement, and they get ready to head home. Give this one a four out of five Herbies. Yep, I think it's well worth that just for the um, just for the Spider-Man advice alone. It's just <laughs> that was just the, that was just like the dumbest bit I I think I've ever seen. It's like it's like it's Spider-Man going, yeah, with well, great power comes great responsibility, and I'm just like you're putting all that on like a twelve, a thirteen-year-old boy. It's like oh. that's yeah. <laughs> but Ben's reaction was classic though. Just nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pick him up by the scruff and toss him aside yeah it's just like come on man he doesn't need that it, he's he's just a kid come on I, I guess it's just the fact that um he wants to give him the same advice he got and have that kind of moment but yeah that was <laughs> that was that's fun that was fun but 
gave it a, a three out of five uh, Herbies. I think um, they they squeezed two issues worth of uh, story into one, um, and uh, a bit of Deus Ex Machima saving the day is never fun. But um, yeah, yeah, the dialogue. Yeah. All good and super super powerful villains uh, can can make for uh, a, writers can write themselves into corners with that kind of stuff. I mean, the fact that she could uh, that the Griever took out the Molecule Man without breaking a sweat, she ostensibly should have been able to do the same to everyone there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you're absolutely right there, and I think it's kind of like you said, you get, you get a Deus, Deus X back in a moment, and it's kind of eh, okay. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah, loads of fun. Uh, I, I, I do think you're right. It could have been dragged out across two issues because we have a lot of people who showed up that some of whom I have forgotten about who didn't even get one line of dialogue. Yeah, um, who remembers a Ghost Rider was a was a fantastic form member. <laughs> I mean, I do. Uh, and we had you know, She else? Thing and Ms. Thing and Frankie Ray and then Iceman and uh, and, uh, and Iceman. <laughs> yeah. For that one time, apparently, that's like yet to be told, and it's kind of like, what, what, well, when, when are you going to tell this? Please, come on. And, and um, I, I also think it's smart to kind of put a cap on uh, Franklin's powers so that he doesn't end up being like someone who can just solve any problem instantly and create create a situation where there's no peril in any story. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. I, I have um, a friend of mine who actually re- really likes the character of Franklin Richards. He really likes the idea of his power set, but it's like, I don't think he's been reading comic books at the moment to realise that actually he's, he's basically been nerfed now. So uh, I might have to let yeah. him borrow that comic book. Yeah, but you know, after, after his comment in issue number two where he, he tells Arboro, yeah, I'm basically your god. <laughs> Maybe he needed to be nerfed a little bit. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I think that is a bit, a bit sort of. That's kind of the arrogance of when you're a teenager. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that good. I'm that good. So uh, apparently, so, so Hickman, Hickman's run got mentioned in this issue. Another series I clearly need to read because apparently it's really good. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's thick. Um, <laughs> he really goes uh, for the mind-bending stuff, um, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, talking about Hickman, I mean, I've been re- rereading his uh, Avengers run because that's kind of like my kind of like my introduction to comics almost because it was like the first big book that I got. I was rereading it recently. Now Hickman's one of those people that kind of he writes things, but if you really want to delve down deeper, you've got to do a little bit of googling and a little bit of kind of thinking about stuff. Yeah, because in, in Avengers there was uh, X Nilio and uh, Abyss. Now I didn't know what the the actual meaning of Abyss was. And I also, you know, I, I googled ex nihilo, and um, this means kind of out of nothing. And then um, ex nihilo is basically creation, or like something, something like that, anyway. So both together becomes creation out of nothing. I thought that was really clever, to be honest. Bust out your dictionary when when, when reading his stuff, <laughs> and um, but you yeah. learned something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, and I was like, that is so clever. So <laughs> but I also picked up his East of West book. You know, he's so nebulous, and the X-Men are so nebulous, I can't imagine what's going to happen when he tackles them. It's going to be uh, so good, right? Well, it's going to be, uh, well, it's going to be nebulous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, because that comes out, what, just uh, two months' time? Well, the sooner the better, because I'm a huge X-Men fan, and I have been absolutely 
devastatingly disappointed with the direction of the books of late. Um, yeah, I think I think a- Age of X Man has been kind of how do I put this? It- it's been okay. Um, I think the real gems are in the, uh, in the actual Age of X-Men series books, like, um, Extremists, uh, Apocalypse and the Extracts, um. Not even following any of that. I, 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 I so enjoyed, um, Matthew Rosenberg's run on Secret Warriors and, uh, Tale, or Journey into Mystery or whatever it is. No, no, Tales to Astonish. Yeah. And, I thought he was going to do a great job on Uncanny X-Men, but um, has been has, not Is it at just all. turned into like a big murder fest now, pretty much? It is. It's just killing off random characters to give Wolverine and Cyclops angst, and um, it's uh, just been kind of tasteless. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, yeah. and I kind of... I, I've kind of not read it for that purpose. I've, I think I've read up to about issue 12, but not nothing since then. And I hate to say it, it's it's kind of hard to care when you know it's all getting rebooted in two months. Yeah. Well, that's silver lining. I didn't know that was going to happen, but I um, I'm happy to hear it because uh, <laughs> it's been pretty bad. Yeah, I, um, I was at C2E2 when they you know, they announced Powers of a- Powers of Ten and um, House. Of oh, X. what's the other one? House of X. I mean, I, I'm really cool to. I, I there are there have been some bits of um, Age of X Men I've enjoyed. The actual core disassembled series I thought was boring as hell. You know, I, re- I reread the end of that, and I was just kind of like, "This is this is just, it's just, yeah, okay." But age, the actual Age of X Men books, there's been a couple of gems in there, and it's kind of one of those books where you want want them to carry on. But in my opinion, what Hickman's doing, he's basically said that he's burning it all down to build it back up again. They've needed that. They've needed that for about the past five years. Well, you know, Disney paid a virtual mint to get their hands back on, yeah. uh, back on, yeah. and. Uh, I can't imagine that stories where uh, where they're killing off characters in this ham-fisted uh, uh, attempt to uh, create a metaphor for transphobia and doing it so clumsily yes. is what they find. Yeah, and that's that's the biggest thing that's come up because I'm pretty sure that Matt Rosenberg had to basically quit Twitter because of that, or not quit. He he. he you know, disappeared for a few weeks because many people felt exactly how you feel, and it was it was treated incredibly tastelessly. Yeah, and then like two issues before that, he 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 had one of the characters uh, blindfold uh, commit yeah. suicide. That's really sort of offhand way, and the the dudes had to make two public apologies. Yeah. With what issues under his belt? I mean, that's not a very good clip. <laughs> well, yeah, but equally, and you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that he he hasn't done badly because obviously he has done badly. But why didn't editorial pick up on that? Because the editor, yeah, uh, yeah, we won't go down that road. I think, <laughs> I, yeah. Anyway, enough about X Men. <laughs> Fantastic Four issue four. Issue four. Okay. All right, Fantastic Four, number four, Irreplaceable. The writer is Dan Slott, artist Stefano Caselli and Nico Leon, colorist Eric Arciniega, lettering by Chris Eliopoulos, and cover by Esad Ribich. I'm, not, I'm just just going to stop you. That you you're doing a, a huge, a hugely good job on uh, pronouncing those names. <laughs> so, much better than, than myself or Doc could ever do. <laughs> you know, on Twitter, somebody had put up an old 
you know, page that they had from a, a comic once with how to pronounce everybody's name. Yeah, yeah. I would love it if they put one of those out. They, they need to, yeah, because it's like all these like really really cool names, but no idea how to pronounce them at all. Oh, all right. And uh, Back- a couple of uh, uh, Inhuman veterans there with Caselli and uh, Nico Leon, um, yes. who worked on Humans and Miss Marvel respectively. Yep. So, so what happened? Back- Back on Earth, there's a robbery across the street from the Baxter building. It's the Wrecking Crew, but who will stop them? None other than the Fantastics? To quote Corvath, who? <laughs> the, the, the scene cuts back to our Ooh. friends in space, and everybody's getting sent back home. Except for the Future Foundation. If only one molecule of Molecule Man is left out there, there's a chance he can be saved. They elect to stay behind and search for him, and so they depart to their own spin-off comic. <laughs> It's very true. Bruce, I hadn't noticed that. Bruce Banner is the last to be sent home, and he's pr- still pretty irked about being kidnapped. Let's hope the Hulk doesn't hold a grudge. The family are the last to leave, and they arrive back home right in the middle of the fight between the Fantastics and the Wrecking Crew. The exhausted heroes argue over who needs to go help, and everybody except Johnny decide to sit this one out. Franklin and Ben go see Alicia, who's upset about Ben vanishing almost immediately after proposing. Alicia, realizing their lives will always be like this, decides she wants to get married this weekend. Valeria figures out that the fight was staged by the Fantastic's manager. She talks the wrecking crew into surrendering, and the Fantastic Four makes it clear to the news crews that the Fantastics are innocent of any wrongdoing. Reed and Sue find out that Peter Parker lost the Baxter building when his company went under, and that it's now occupied by this new team. With nowhere else to go, everybody moves in with Ben on Yancey Street. Yay! <laughs> yeah. I give uh, this one three out of five Herbies. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that one. Kind of a filler issue. Yeah, I think it's kind of, you know, I, th- I guess that Dan Slott was said, okay, you've got to do six issues for the first, you know, leading up to the wedding, or, you know, five in an annual, whatever you want to call it. Um, and this one was kind of like the, hey, they're back on Earth now, but there's this to do. Kind of a waste, because, you know, issue number four for the Fantastic Four could have, you know, they had an opportunity to make that one kind of special. Um, but yeah, what can you do? Especially as technically speaking, it is issue six, six hundred and forty nine. They could have done something there, and then like the the build up to the wedding could have been so much more. But I mean, I'm a sucker for the Wrecking Crew. I've always enjoyed them as heroes, as villains. <laughs> um, I love the idea that uh, Valeria basically says, well, "Well, I'll pay you more." And they're like, "All right, <laughs> oh, okay, sure, okay." <laughs> and then she works the deal. A thunderball is like if the record a hard time. It's like, look, you can't. You're yelling at a twelve-year-old. Quit it. <laughs> you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was really good, but the the fact that they're now moving in on Yancey Street. When are they going to meet their new neighbor? Moon girl. Yeah, a little moon girl. So that 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 would be. I mean, we've already seen like um, you know, the Fantastic Four in in Moon Girl, where Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girl become part of the Fantastic Four. That was great. But, um, you know, everyone's been waiting for Valeria and Reed to meet her. Yeah. That's, that's what we want to see. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I kind of, I kind of just want to see like Reed Richards like do something with her lab so she has like a much bigger space and, and Devil Dinosaur's not like squashed in somewhere. You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if I'm remembering this right, but I think, uh, Dan Slott did a, did a, a run on Avengers Initiative and that the characters from who make up the Fantastics are characters he created for that series. That would be a really good link if it is. And I, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know because I haven't read the read the series, but 
they they were called like the libertines or something like that. They were the initiatives. I want to say maybe for Pennsylvania. You know, I remember okay. back when I don't know if you read the initiative, but every state got their own super team. Oh yeah, Flat Man or whatever it means. Was it Flat Man or Two D? Two D. Two D and. Uh, I think Flat Man's just as good a name, to be honest. <laughs> Flat Man's a member of the of the West of the uh, Midwest Avengers. Or, uh, <laughs> what was they called? Uh, that's uh, yeah. That Great sounds. Uh, okay, I've been Googling. It is the Libertines. Okay, that's good. 2D. There he is. Wow. I, that, I mean, that's really good. I, I really, I really like that where kind of like different people interlink their different, uh, their different books and stuff. He's also done that in Iron Man where he's brought back, uh, Gauntlet, who was from the initiative and has made him sort of the enforcer for Sunset Bane's little, uh, operation. Okay, yeah, I had. I'm gonna have to go and pick up this book now. <laughs> there's a there's a quick comment I was gonna make. Well, um, Reed's speech about not playing dumb, um, which is a really good parenting. I thought. Oh yeah, remind yeah. me of that when he he gives uh, Valeria. Valeria, the uh, the she's uh, kind of playing dumb for Arboro. Yeah. Is that that? Arboro is that his name? Yeah. Where he asks her what she's up to, and she's like, "Oh, you know, it's it's just science stuff. It's not important." <laughs> well, actually, it's 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 very it, important. It's extremely extremely important. Yeah, yeah, and it, I, I think that was a really good kind of a, a really good touch. I thought because you know, some good parenting from Reed. Very good parenting from Reed. Yeah, do that in real life, or especially with um, with young girls who will hide their intellect in fear of. Uh, you know, turning off boys who they might have crushes on. And it's, it's a kind of, you know, playing into a very old, uh, arcane trope of, uh, you know, guys who can't handle smart girls. And, and, um, you know, Reed's like just not going to have it with her and, and tells her that she needs to be proud of who she is. And, you know, yeah, proud of who she is, it, proud of what she can do. And yeah, uh, if the boy doesn't like that you're smart, that's not the right boy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As possibly the smartest girl, one of the smartest girls on the planet, is going to run into that problem regardless. So she better get used to it. Yep, yep. I think that's a good good tip for anyone, though. Find somebody who appreciates you for exactly who you are, not for the ideal version of you, which is very profound. But <laughs> on that note, <laughs> there's the uh, there's the wedding special, which was I think the Fantastic Four annual one of the new series. No, no. The annual, it was, I think it was just called Wedding Special. Do you, do you want to take it away, Lynn? All right. We have three individual stories in the Wedding Special. Invisible Girls Gone Wild by Gail Simone with artist Laura Braga, colorist Jesus Arbatov, and lettering by Joe Caramagna. And we have Father Figure by Dan Slott, artist Mark Buckingham, inker Mark Farmer, colorist Matt Yaki, and lettering by Joe Caramagna. Finish it up with The Puppet Master's Lament. By Fred Hembeck, with color artist Megan Wilson. In the wedding special, Alicia's bachelorette party is interrupted by villainous shenanigans. The women get a visit from Kayla the Mole Woman and an army of moloids. She figures if Mole Man can't be happy, then nobody can. The fight ends with a disapproving Mole Man showing up to send everyone back underground and drop off a wedding present. A giant sack of diamonds. 
Mole Man gets invited to every wedding from now on. Then they finish their night by taking grumpy Latverian limo driver Lee Sock and his wife out to dinner for their 30th anniversary. In the second half of the special, Ben has to go to the raft to get Alicia's stepfather, the puppet master's blessing, which he surprisingly gives. Ben delivers the good news to Alicia, and after he leaves, we see her putting away her very own magic clay puppet. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And no, everything uh, wraps up with a cute little refresher on Alicia and the Puppet Master from Fred Hembeck. Yeah, that um, that magic clay puppet at the end was a bit of a you know a bit of like a dun 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 moment. Yeah, I, I felt that this one was a fun read, but it's not necessarily important to the story. Oh no, I think it was except just except for that little clay puppet. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I think that the other the other parts of the story were just like a big kind of you know here's a fun book let's let's just make it as fun as possible. Um, yeah. Gail Simone, not, absolute not, brilliant writer. Not mandatory reading, but fun reading nonetheless. Absolutely. Um, and I, uh, I love the idea that there's uh, a strip club out there where all the, all the dancers look are done up like superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, there was a, an interesting thing that I actually, I actually learned from you, Lynn, which was um, the sack of diamonds was a reference to a to the like the original Fantastic Four story. Mole Man was actually the villain of the first Fantastic Four issue. And he was... And, and he they was... find themselves stranded in a cavern of diamonds. Oh, okay. I was going to say, he wasn't like trying to steal some diamonds, was he? Nope. <laughs> he, he, he actually has a cavern of diamonds. Okay, that's, uh, that, that's, that's good. What kind of man doesn't want a load of diamonds to sit on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he ever really wanted to, uh, to you know, take down the earth and, and whatnot, he could just crash the market by... Uh, Throwing lots and lots of diamonds around. Yeah. Well, dig, digging up, not not to mix metaphors, but digging up the mole woman uh, as a villain was a deep cut. I mean, she hasn't been yeah. seen centuries. Um, and uh, uh, we were all expecting the mole man to be the nemesis and when it turned out to be her. She's had a very complicated off-and-on relationship with mole man. So that kind of ties into the romantic wedding special. Yep. There we go. And Medusa got to make it rain. <laughs> <laughs> she did. Yeah. Yeah. That was a. <laughs> that was that was that it was, was really good. An interesting time because this issue was released concurrently with the god awful Death of the Inhuman series. Yeah. So in one one book, there's all this terrible stuff that's happening. Everyone's saying, and then the other book, um, Medusa and Crystal are out partying. Um, <laughs> And I'm like, well, I don't hey, know what. hey, hey, come on, Doc. We're trying to, we're trying to forget that one. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're absolutely right, though. It's kind of like, you know, I, the, the little set of, of Death in Humor is, is the better, but Fantastic Four issue, uh, the, the wedding special was, was really good. Such a great bunch of writers as well. I mean, obviously, you've got Still Dog Dan Slot on there, but, uh, Gail Simone and, um, was it Fred Hembeck? Yeah, it was just <laughs> such a good issue. Fred, Fred Hembeck, the master of drawing knees and elbows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, is that the, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I... I a little curly cue. Yeah. Well, girl, we all got on our knees and elbows, a little curly. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the old, really old, like, it's like the old uh, cartoons and stuff. I say really old, I don't mean that. Let's say a few things about the, the middle story, because I thought that was a rather profound tale, that um, the puppet master um, is not Alicia's biological father. He he adopted her after actually murdering um, her biological father and, and kind of tricking 
her biological mother and and he's always you know she's been nice to him but he's always been such a bad guy and we get the sort of like you know done 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 that um she was actually manipulating him into giving his blessing by using this clay puppet but i kind of felt it as sort of like a and something of an empowerment that she was no longer going to be a puppet. She was going to take back that power. Yeah. And, yes. And I actually quite appreciated that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't think it made her look nefarious at all. I thought it was more, um, more inspired. Yeah. I, I think that whole dun, dun, dun thing for me, um, is obviously, obviously just my lack of, knowledge of you know the rest of the fantastic four and the, the rest of the issues so i think for me that was kind of like one of those moments like hey i don't actually know these characters very well but that doesn't look good surely you know <laughs> so but the way yeah, you it certainly it, was a revelation though that she could even do that yeah yeah and i think yeah. as, as the way you've put it you know obviously with the history and stuff it's um i think it's quite apt really well alicia's had a storied past i mean she was highly involved in the silver surfer stories uh she helped create um, Adam Warlock. Um, she's, although blind and whatnot, she's actually, she doesn't have any superpowers, but she is a powerful being. I didn't know she'd, uh, she was a, a, around for the origin of, of Adam Warlock. Well, it was, uh, it was an old issue of Fantastic Four, somewhere in the 40s or 50s. Um, it was back when he was first called him. Yeah. And yep. the Enclave abducted her because she, uh, they needed someone who, A, was a great sculptor, and B, who was blind because uh, to work this special material that they wanted to create the ultimate human with. Um, so she sculpted the being that would ultimately become him, who would then matriculate on to become Warlock. That's that's really interesting. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that at all. That's some real comic book knowledge for you there. <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm going to remember that because I mean, Adam Warlock is one of those characters I've been really intrigued by. Um, not only because I share a name with him, but you know, just the fact that he's kind of a a really big cosmic entity. Yeah, he's a fun character. I mean, everyone who's written him has put their own stamp on it. But uh, I mean, Jim Starlin really took him to the next level. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, back. Yeah. It was uh, fun too. I forgot exactly who wrote the middle stuff where he was on Earth Two, uh, fighting the Man Wolf or whatever it was. But it was some real Jesus Christ superstar action. Oh <laughs> 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 Is there any any other comments you want to make? Or no, let's move on to the big wedding. Yep, so the big one. Um, do you want to take it, Waylon? Okay, Fantastic Four number five. The main story is Four Minute Warning, writer Dan Slott, artist Aaron Cooter, colorist Marte Garcia and Eric Arciniega. Backup story number one, Change Partners, by writer Dan Slott, artist Mike Allred, and colorist Laura Allred. Wrapping it up with backup story number two, Guys Night Out, by Dan Slott, artist Adam Hughes, lettering by Joe Caramagna, and the covers by Esad Rabich. Ben and Alicia finally get married, and it was beautiful. Issue number five, which by legacy numbering would be issue number 650, starts with a recap of Ben and Alicia's romance, charmingly illustrated by Mike and Laura Allred. 
Then, in a sequence illustrated by Adam Hughes, Ben's bachelor party is also interrupted by villainous shenanigans, as Johnny has accidentally hired the Serpent Society as entertainment. The next day, they pick up Aunt Petunia and Uncle Jake and head out to the middle of nowhere to get married. They've been to enough superhero weddings by now to realize they need to take some precautions. Reed up until now hasn't been participating as much as Sue would like, but it turns out that he's the best best man. Instead of participating in all the pre-wedding festivities, he's been working to make sure that this wedding actually happens. Of course, the wedding is interrupted by an announcement from Dr. Doom that Galactus has arrived on Earth. But not to worry, he's got this. Everybody knows this is a bad idea, but before they fly off to intervene, Reed produces the chronal displacement bubble he's been working on, which buys them just enough time to finish the ceremony. I give this one a 5 out of 5, Herbies. Yay! Yeah. I think I think like five that. out of five is is pretty apt actually because it was you know it was this was a really good issue and I think it it, it kind of uh, spoke to the the engineer in me with the whole time displacement time displacement bubble. Um, <clears throat> Work up. No, I, 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 <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of like the the idea that um, he would create something that you know meant that it absolutely could happen. It absolutely had to happen. Um, you know, that's kind of the ultimate show of, you know, hey, I really care about you guys. Yeah, he's, you know, Reed's not going to give you a, a big speech at your wedding, but he's going to make a time displacement bubble to make sure you can get married. Yeah, yeah. I, I also, you know, like the little little touches in the middle where he's getting the, like, taking their blood samples. <laughs> yeah. And Ben's like, oh, yeah, the blood test, of course. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, the blood test. Must just make sure everybody is who they say they are. Yeah. Kind of like, Harkening back to when Johnny married a scroll right. that he thought was Alicia. Who hasn't married a scroll though? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, who hasn't been a scroll? I mean, you know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, this was this was such a nice issue. It was such so. It was so well done. I thought that it was so nicely paced. It was yeah. I I, I cannot say anything bad about this one. I especially liked that uh, Tundra insisted on being part of the bachelor party. <laughs> and then oh ended God, up she was hysterical. town and strip poker. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but wasn't there a, a comment that you wanted to make, Lynn, about um, uh, there was somebody who said that characters being married makes them boring? Yes, that was usually the direction that the comic book writers were given. We can't have anybody be married because they get boring when they're married. <laughs> and as a married person, uh, I take offense. I, I can imagine, I, yeah. I think my husband and I are much more entertaining together than apart. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's usually the way as well, isn't it? Because you kind of you can bounce off someone so well. Uh, yeah. What about you, Doc? What did you think? Yeah, I believe actually it was Dan Didio who uh, who who originally said that when he put the kibosh on Batwoman getting married to uh, her her girlfriend. Um, this idea that. Characters are somehow less interesting when they're married, which is absolute fuck kiss. Um, and I mean, hasn't and then anyone seen an episode of Heart to Heart? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I, I, th- but, uh, I think it must stem from that though, like like the the idea that when they're married, you 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 can do less stories with them, or the you know, it must stem from you know television and that kind of thing. Which well, just seems silly to me because in comics we love team ups so much. Yeah. And, and what is you know getting married but a team up? Well, exactly. exactly. Um, I think it, it's it's strange, and I uh, it takes a lack of 
uh, well, you know what it, it is? It's a, it's a challenge because, you know, when being married is a lot, it's awesome, but it's hard work. And there are certain, you know, aspects that are, that, that are part of the dynamic that, that can be a challenge to write, especially for writers who are more used to formulaic plots of, um, you know, hero meets love interest. They go on adventure. Love interest dies. There's anxiety. <laughs> um, love interest gets put in. Um, but, 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 and, you know, rinse and repeat. Uh, they've written every different kind of Batman story where Batman is a Green Lantern or Batman is a vampire or Batman is, is Sherlock Holmes or whatever. But they couldn't write a couple issues of Batman married to Catwoman, like that's too hard. I, I I don't get it either because because surely to like comic book characters are like the the ultimate thing to write because you can do almost anything with them. So if you have them married, you can literally do team up books, which would be amazing. You know, you, you right. I know you're saying there's you know there's parts of married life I I don't know I'm not married that um. That are occasionally challenging, but I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna write about the arguments you have over going to the the store and not picking up your favorite peanut butter or something. You're just not gonna put that in comic books, are you? <laughs> it's. Uh, have you guys read Mister Miracle? Yes, I haven't. I mean, the the, the I, I don't want to spoil it too much for you, but there is a scene with Mister Miracle and Big Barda fighting their way through uh, apocalypse. Talking about home remodeling. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's that's, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that. I, I, I can. I, I think it's great because it kind of it's that comedic effect. But it's 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 when people you know suggest that it's boring. I think it's just they're wrong. I I, I think there was some blowback because uh, when Spider Man got married to Mary Jane, they felt like it kind of like took an edge off of him because he was always having all of these. Uh, sort of romantic uh, will he or won't he with various different characters and whatnot, and they felt like maybe it, it curtailed that or whatnot. But I think it's just, again, it's another issue of, like, it's easier to revert to the status quo and, and retell stories as opposed to create something new. Now, I understand that as a reader, not a creator, all that's easier said than done. But, yeah. um, you know... It's when when your competition is video games and YouTube, comic got up their game. And I think being inventive and, and innovative and trying out new things is the order of the day, not going backwards and re- recreating the world. Yeah, I think that the, the, the Spider-Man stuff you mentioned, I mean, that, that basically reached its all-time low <laughs> after that, you know, when, when it had to do the whole one more, was it one more day? One um, more day, yeah. Yeah, which many Spider-Man fans don't seem to want to talk about. Uh, I I couldn't couldn't see can't see why. <laughs> well, it's kind of apropos. I mean, Dan Slott inherited that mess, yeah. and he did yeah. his best uh, to um, sort of uh, <laughs> fix um, the disaster of it. And um, there's a lot of readers out there who either love him or hate him. Yeah. Because of it, and and uh, I, I, I know, I know quite a few people whose opinions I normally respect who said they weren't going to check out Fantastic Four because of their dislike for Dan Slott. I'm like, oh come on, really? But um, yeah, that's a bit of a 
bit of a bad attitude to have. I mean, I, I, mind you, I, I guess a lot of people have their favorite or, you know, their favorite creators and stuff. I follow a few. I follow, um, Saladin Ahmed on pretty much anything he does. Um, but yeah, there's no reason to just because you've had a disappointing comic book. I mean, Death of the Inhumans is a good example for me. I really did not like Death of the Inhumans, but I'm still picking up Guardians of the Galaxy. I still picked up, you know, Cosmic Ghost Rider. I still pick up whatever else he's writing because I think uh, I think he's a good writer in general. So well, it's, again, it's it's uh, like being a home run hitter. I'll yeah, be, you know, you, you can either hit a home run or you strike out. Um, you know, Tom King, who did Mister Miracle, is another good example. I mean, Mister Miracle is probably one of the best comic books in the last ten years, but uh, Heroes in Crisis is also one of the worst comic books in the last ten years. So, <laughs> and he wrote both. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I think uh, I, I think Dan Dan Slot gets a lot of unnecessary stuff as well because he did, like you said, he did come straight off of, um, uh, you know, one more day, and uh, I think he he had to kind of rebuild Spider Man from that. And from what from what my friend says, uh, his Superior Spider Man run was probably the best Spider Man run he's he's read in so many years. So, <laughs> you know, you've got peaks and troughs at the end of the day. Take the low with the high. Well. I think that we will see the thing and Alicia's marriage lasting a good long time. Um, and uh, this is not one I see them uh, retconning away or, or throwing a scroll into the mix or any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah they, especially yeah, not. Not after a, how, how many years of build up to this? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, uh, Alicia first appeared around, I think, maybe issue 11 or so. So that would be in sometime in the 60s. So, yes, they've been, they've been uh, circling marriage for <clears throat> well, a better part of, oh gosh, almost a century now. <clears throat> Is it, well, I mean, less than that. Yeah. Less than that. Well, I mean, if if you want to, uh, if you want to round up to the nearest fifty, then definitely the, nearly a century. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I've been a, I'm being a pedant there. Long ass time. We'll yeah, say that. yeah, yeah. I mean, what, Fantastic Four first came out in what sixty three. That sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, my mum wasn't even born at that point, so <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, let's. But uh, I yeah, this this whole run sure. I think it, once you once you read it as a as a whole thing, um, it's it's a really really good set of books. I mean, if if you if you are a trade reader, definitely pick this one up because I think the uh, the first trade collects one, two, three, four, five, and the wedding special, so uh, it's definitely worthwhile. I agree. Uh, I uh, my only disappointment was that um, Sarah Paquette. Pichelli. Pichelli, yeah. Uh, Kelly Kind of dropped off or, or uh, halfway through. Um, Aaron Cooter's art is great enough. It's not my particular cup of tea. I, I, um, and I would have preferred her to... I mean, I would have been okay with a, waiting an extra week or two if, if, that, if it could have meant you know, her drawing the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is a shame because yeah, like like you said, she is a she's an excellent um artist. So and actually Also I I like books that, that, that garner a sense of synergy between the writer and artist. You know, you um when when uh when Pacelli and Bendis created Miles Morales, it was really 
the two of them together that uh, made that book, you know, bigger than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Um, and it seems nowadays that that's not a priority with comics. These artists just seem to come and go. Yeah, and that's that's a big shame. Um, you know, and you don't you don't get that as much anymore. It just seems to be like the writer writes his bit and then sends it off to to the artist, or or at least there is some some conversation. I think. Um, you know, a good example of recent times is is the Black Bolt book in actuality because because they worked Christian Ward and, and Saladin Ahmed, they worked so well together um, to and fro and on how to do things. I think Christian Ward was is an excellent person for an example of that as well. They were they they, they complemented each other well in terms of uh, the writing and story. Um, and I'm not saying that that Aaron Cooter didn't do that. It's just um, you know. I just felt like someone else had come in and to finish the story. Yeah, and, and that's you know, as bad as that is, that is what it was, really. Um, I think even the even the colorists and uh, did the colorists change as well? I believe. Yes, there are, have been several colorists. Oh, okay, so yeah, so the the, the colorists have changed um, quite often. But uh, yeah, it's a shame. I mean, Aaron, like you said, Aaron Cooter is, Cooter is a great artist in, in his own right, but. Yeah, there wasn't that synergy between them. I think you've got to build that up, though. I don't think that's. I don't think that necessarily comes straight away. Still, they, uh, um, it is terrific to have the FF back. It is, yeah. And this is this is just the first five issues. We are actually now up to issue nine, I believe, um, which came out last week, from what I recall. Yes. Um, so that that I urge you to ca- I urge everyone to to pick this one up. Um, it's a real. Kind of it, it harks back to all the different eras of Fantastic Four, including the uh, the Inhuman years as well. On that note, um, I think we've we've reached the end. <laughs> so if you got, if anybody wants to to send us a message, feel free to send us a message on Twitter to at Atalan Rising One. Follow us, tweet us, uh, message us, whatever. Um, and our email address is the show at Rising dot com. Um, it's been really great to have Doc back. So I thank you very much for coming back for this episode. Anytime, as they say. And uh, yeah, thanks to Lynn for, for, for joining us as well. No problem. And uh, we'll catch everybody in next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.